Bible this morning, let me encourage you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 3 in the Scriptures. And uh, we'll find a starting place there in the book of Exodus chapter number 3. You know, I'm more mindful than ever that assembling together to worship the Lord, it may be a constitutional right, but it's a great blessing. And sometimes you don't appreciate it until it's threatened and until you can't do that. And I'm really thankful to be able to get together with you. And and yet I don't want to just get together for the sake of getting together. I want us to really meet with the Lord today. Because really, if we don't, what's the point? And uh, in Exodus chapter 3, in verse number 13, the Bible says, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I am come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. Let's pray together. Father God, we... We pray that today you would minister to the need of every heart as you alone are able. And God, I pray that as we consider the truth of your word, that we might be sensitive to the leadership of thy Holy Spirit. Lord, if there's somebody that's listening today that does not know thee as their Savior, may today be the day of salvation for them. For this I pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. The Bible reveals to us here as Moses is meeting with the Lord at the burning bush. And the Lord is commissioning Moses to lead his people out of the bondage in Egypt. Moses asked the Lord, what shall I Say, who shall I say has sent me? And the Lord said, tell them, I am hath sent me unto you. I am. You say, that doesn't sound like a name. That just sounds like a a declarative statement, but not a name. But the Lord said, tell them, I am hath sent thee. And in those two words, we find a truth that is so profound that it's hard to wrap our hearts and minds around because literally what God is saying in those two small words, I am, is that He is everything that we will ever need. The Bible says that we are complete in Him. 
He is everything that we will ever need. He is the completer of the need of humanity. And as we go throughout the Scriptures, we, we discover that God in every dispensation has always been enough. He's been enough since the garden. And He's enough today. He is the all-sufficient One and He is the great I Am. We think of King Solomon who prayed for God to grant him wisdom and God gave him his request. And during the early part of his reign, he was a wise king. And yet he sought fulfillment in his heart and in his life in the things of this world. And if we were to consider the book of Ecclesiastes, we might think of it as the autobiography of King Solomon. Because in that book, he chronicles all of the things that he set his heart to, that he might find some degree of satisfaction in his life and fulfillment in his heart. And yet he found none. An outline of the book tells us what his pursuits were, that he, he followed after science and pursued that, but found no enduring fulfillment there. He pursued wisdom and philosophy, thinking that somehow that might help him to be ascendant, and yet he did not find any measure of satisfaction in that. He sought the pleasures of this life next, and he withheld nothing from himself that made his flesh to feel good, and yet he came to the end of it and found that it did not satisfy. He went after all of the things the world could provide in materialism, thinking that maybe that would help him to find some degree of validation and satisfaction, and yet it did not satisfy. He pursued fatalism and thinking that somehow whatever's going to be will be, let's just live for the moment, and, and yet that fatalistic worldview did not lead him any nearer to a place of satisfaction. He pursued egotism and building a name for himself. And yet there was nothing of satisfaction or enduring fulfillment in that. He pursued religion as many people of the world are doing today. And yet in religious practice, he just simply felt empty. He pursued money and came to the conclusion that the seeing eye is is never satisfied. It brought no fulfillment. And then he pursued morality, thinking that if he would just be a good person and do good to others, that that would make him feel good about himself and give him a degree of satisfaction and fulfillment. And yet, in all of these nine things that he set his heart to, he found no enduring fulfillment. No lasting satisfaction. These things only brought him to the conclusion that vanity of vanities, all is vanity, saith the preacher. It is all useless. It is all empty. It does not bring any lasting fulfillment. Until finally he said in chapter 12 there and verse number 13, let us hear the whole conclusion of the matter. 
fear God and keep His commandments for this is the whole duty of man. He came to the place that the only enduring satisfaction that he could find was in a personal relationship with God. It wasn't in all of the things that this world had to offer him. Only God could ultimately satisfy the deepest longing of his heart. And what we know is that there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person that only He can fill. Yet the world, like Solomon of old, is going about trying to fill up that empty void in their lives with everything but God. They're trying to pursue wealth and fame and and, uh, sexuality and materialism and hedonism and philosophy and and ascendance through education and wisdom and all of the things that, that people think will help them to feel some degree of fulfillment and validation in their life. And yet, my friends, I submit to you what the Bible says, that we will only find a sense of fullness, a sense of completeness, and a sense of satisfaction in our lives in the person of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, I want you to consider with me the sufficiency of God, that God is enough. He's enough. Moses said, what is thy name? Who shall I say has sent me? The Lord said, you tell them, I am hath sent thee. Meaning, I am everything that they will ever need. I am the all in all. I am all and in all. You see, the Bible says in the book of Colossians chapter 1 that He is the the head of the church, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. The truth is that preeminence means this, all and in all, or our all and all. Listen, He is today the great I am, and He is the all-sufficient One. I want you to consider with me what the Bible tells us in the book of uh, Colossians. The book of Colossians. In Colossians chapter 1, we see revealed here, who is the image of the invisible God in verse 15, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, or principalities, or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. Let me say that Jesus Christ is fully God. He wasn't part man and part God. He wasn't. Uh, he didn't have uh, you know the DNA of heaven because his father was God, but the DNA of man because his mother was Mary. No, he was fully God. He wasn't partially God. He he wasn't the offspring of God. He is fully. God, and it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness 
dwell. And the Bible says in chapter 2 and verse number 9, In Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. We see here not only the fact that Jesus is the head of the church, as revealed in verse 1, but He is the Lord over all, the head of all things. He is God revealed in human form. And I want you to understand something about this. When we consider the sufficiency of God, I want you to to see that we can be satisfied with the Son. But first of all, understand this, that the Father in heaven was satisfied with His Son. It pleased God, the Bible says, that in Him should all fullness dwell. And since it did, God was pleased. We think about the baptism of Jesus there in Matthew chapter 3, where that when Jesus came out of the water, the Spirit of God descended upon Him in the form of a dove. There was a voice from heaven heard saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You see, the Father was satisfied with His Son, Jesus. He was completely uh, satisfied with who he was and the work that he had come to this world to perform. He is the fullness of God and we are complete in him. May I say this to you, that you don't have to have someone else in your life to complete you. Sometimes we feel that way. I know that the Bible says that it's not good that a man should live alone. But understand this, the Bible says that he hath given us all things that pertain unto life and to godliness. How many things? All things. In other words, God has equipped you with everything that you need to lead the life that He has called you to live. And you are, ye are, complete in Him. God is the completer of every man. Not a a woman or a man. Not a job, a career, not money, not things, uh, not more hair on your head, uh, more muscles on your biceps, uh, you, you know, uh, not a, a, a smaller dress size. Look, what, I, what I'm saying is this, that we are complete in the Lord. And sometimes we think, if I could just do this, I, if I could accomplish that, if I could have this, I could be with this person, that I'll feel more of a sense of completeness and fulfillment in my life. And yet we've got to come to the place where we're satisfied like the Father with Jesus. And we say, He's enough for me. The great I am is. He still is. He's enough for me. He is the fullness of God, and we are complete in Him. And there are many that think, well, there's some, some things I lack. I realize that. I lack wisdom. But, you know, he said, if any man among you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. Why? Because Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3 says that in Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So in Jesus Christ, we have everything that we will ever need. And my friends, you and I, like the Father in heaven, can be satisfied with the Son. He is everything to us. Sometimes I hear people say, well, pastor, family is everything to me. Listen, how can family be everything and Jesus be everything also? You see, look, either family is just something and Jesus is everything or it's the other way around. Jesus is just something to you, and family is everything. 
what will be preeminent in your life. I'm not just spouting my philosophy. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm not trying to put you down. If you've lived your life as though family was everything, and then when they died or they went away or they forsook you, then you realize that you had nothing since everything left. Do you understand? Do you see what I'm saying? Do you follow the, the absolute folly and vanity of that philosophy of life? Because God is always there. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And He is the great I Am. God in heaven was satisfied with His Son, and we can be satisfied with the Son. But I want you to consider what the Bible teaches us in the book of Isaiah. For the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 10, It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. You see, God is satisfied with the sacrifice of the Son. He's satisfied with the Son. We can be satisfied with the Son. He's everything to us. He's everything that we will ever need. But praise God, He was satisfied with the sacrifice of the Son. The sacrifice of Christ, you see, satisfied the holiness of God. It says, He shall see the travail of His soul and shall be satisfied. Hebrews chapter number 10 speaks a profound truth to us. And that is that the Bible says there in uh, in Hebrews chapter number 10 and, uh, and verse number 14, here it says, For by one offering He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. What does that mean? The sacrifice that was made one time. Romans 6.10 For in that He died, He died unto sin once. Why did Jesus die only once? Because once was enough to satisfy the holiness of Almighty God so that the righteousness of God could be imputed to you and to me. Once was enough. That's why when we gather for communion, we are not participating in the sacrament whereby that we are somehow receiving some impartation of grace or the re-sacrificing of the body and blood because, listen, He died once because once was enough and God was satisfied with the travail that He saw in His Son, Jesus, and it was satisfactory to impart unto us the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I would tell you that that sacrifice satisfied the demand of the law of God that was against you. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 1, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, 
And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And the word propitiation means that which satisfies. It means mercy seat. And when the very blood of God was applied to the mercy seat for you and for me, all righteousness was fulfilled. The holiness of God was satisfied. And God was just and righteous in coming forth to declare you who have received uh, His uh, sacrifice, those of you that have received His life, to declare you not guilty before Him in love. You see, we can be satisfied because God was satisfied with the sacrifice of His Son. He was satisfied with His Son, and He's the great I Am. You can be satisfied with who He is to you because He's everything. He is the very fullness of God. He is the image of the invisible God. He's literally the personification of God Himself. And so, many of you have, like me, come to know and love a, a blessed verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Whereby that we read there in verse number 9, And He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I want you to know that we can be satisfied with the Son and we can be satisfied because God was with the sacrifice of His Son. But we can be satisfied with the supply of God's grace. The supply of God's grace. It is sufficient for whatever we need. Just as God told Moses on the backside of the wilderness that I am that I am, I am everything that you will ever need. God told the Apostle Paul when he was struggling and dealing with infirmity and all of the things that beset him, my grace is sufficient. It'll be enough to satisfy the need of your life. It is sufficient for whatever that we have need of. You see, He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, and whatever that it is that you need, He will provide it for you. He's a good and a wonderful Savior, and He will give you His grace. And let me, let me tell you what this is talking about. God wants to bestow upon you by His grace Anything and everything that you don't have and you don't deserve and that you wouldn't have if He didn't give it to you. Anything and everything that you need that you don't deserve and that you don't have and that you would never have unless He gave it to you. And what God says is, I'm standing ready to provide by My grace whatever that is. Anything and everything that you need that you don't deserve and that you don't have and that you would never have unless He gave it to you. You see, by His grace, He wants to provide and 
He wants to bring you to the place where you're satisfied with Jehovah Jireh, what the Lord gives to you. Because we come to understand from a study of the Word of God that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You see, He's a good God who gives good gifts in a good way all the time to His children. In grace, He gives them and He wants His people to simply be satisfied with that which He bestows. Satisfied with the supply. I love that verse in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13 that says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Listen, it's the strength that God provides. Some people, they they leave out the latter, latter part of that and they say, I can do all things. And they think it's mind over matter, the power of positive thinking. No, it is the power of Almighty God. And make no mistake about it, I can do all things only through Christ which strengtheneth me. And that is the supply of the strength as a gift of His grace that only He can give. Have you sensed it? Have you received it? Have you known it? You see, we can be satisfied with the supply that He gives. And in that same passage, another great promise from the Lord that says, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And that is a promise that God gave to those who are contributing cheerfully and regularly to uh, the ongoing work of supporting world evangelization. But listen, it is God that supplies the need for His people. He says, supply all your need, whatever it is that you have need of. He said, my grace is sufficient You can be satisfied with it. It'll be enough for you. Jesus is enough for me. I'm satisfied with Jesus, the Son. You see, His own Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Satisfied that what Jesus did satisfied the demands of a holy God and that He is everything that I have need of. This past month has been... uh, grueling to say the least for all of us we have seen people that we love go to be with Jesus we have seen uh, difficulty on every hand riding in the streets of every major city in America we've seen uh, people hating and and the violence on full display a political vitriol and hatred and and the discourse has been uh, unseemly we've seen uh, a global pandemic. We've seen uh, catastrophic uh, things that have taken place. We, we see the alignment of world powers against one another in fulfillment of prophecy, setting the table, as it were, uh, for uh, that marriage supper of the Lamb and getting ready for the return of the bridegroom to take his bride out of here. Uh, Friends, uh, there's been a number of things that are both exciting and distressing. And as I've looked at all of the panorama of things that are going on in this world, I have to tell you that I have needed more than what I could find in this world. And I've, I've sensed the ministry of the Spirit and the presence of the Lord. And I've found in very special and precious occasions that it was enough. Sometimes it was in something as simple as a sunrise or watching a sunset. Sometimes it was as simple as just 
contemplating a verse of Scripture in solitude or bending a knee in prayer and just sensing the, the presence of, of God. Sometimes it was found in a song that God gave. And just thinking on the words of a song that the Spirit of the living God ministered to my heart. There's a song that was written, I think, 20 years ago now by Fernando Ortega called Give Me Jesus. Really, the Spirit and the words of that song have, have really expressed the feelings of my heart when I felt lonely and afraid and, and discouraged or depressed or alone. And as I thought on that, I thought, I just want Jesus. He'll be enough. He will fill me up. He will be the supply to my every need. He is the great I am. I don't want to just read about the fact that God was enough for people in the Word. I want to experience it myself. I want to know experientially that He is enough. I don't want to just tell people that Jesus is sufficient for every need that you have. I want to discover it in my own life. Every moment of every day. I can be satisfied with the grace that He provides with the supply. and You know, I can be satisfied with the gift that God gave called the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 14, we read the promise of God there when He said in verse number 16, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. But ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you, and shall be in you, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. You see, the all-sufficient Christ said, I will come to you. And how has that happened? He came to us by being born in us, by the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit of God. And the Spirit of the living Christ took up residency in a temple called my body, to become literally the agent of the life of Christ in me. My friends, the Christian life is not difficult. The Christian life is impossible. Because were it possible for you to live the Christian life, there would have been no need for Jesus by His Spirit to take up residency in you. The reason why He is there is to continue accomplishing for us that which we could never do for ourselves. And from the moment we came to the awareness and the belief and conviction that we could not save ourselves and we took Him as our Savior, the Spirit of the living God, the Spirit of Christ Himself came to live inside of us. And so we can be satisfied with that Spirit because he is the one, literally, that will fulfill the promise made. I will not leave you comfortless. He'll live with you forever. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Those are the words 
of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm satisfied with the promise made and that the Spirit of the living God is fulfilling that in the behalf of the Lord Christ. And He teaches us all the things that we need to know because the Bible reveals in verse 26, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. His comfort will sustain us in any trial. My friends, I will tell you that He is the personification of what we read of in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3, that He is the God of all comfort. I'm satisfied with that. I don't need southern comfort to get me through. I don't need the comfort of a pill bottle or a therapist or a drug or a person, be they man or woman. What I need is the Spirit of the living God to do the work that He promised He would. And He is always there, always keeping His promise. And in Ephesians 1.13, we see where that He sealed us. And in Ephesians 4.30, Grieve not the Spirit of God whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. You see, I'm satisfied and God is satisfied that the Holy Spirit of God by His own power is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the Father. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 5 that we are kept by the power of God. So I am sealed by the very manifestation of the power of God which is the person of the Holy Spirit. And it pleased God that that would be the case and I'm satisfied with the comfort He brings, with the wisdom He imparts and with the grace that He gives and the impulse by which He leads and the overwhelming joy that He gives, the love that He bestows, the work that bears His very name of comfort in the time of deepest distress. I'm satisfied with the Spirit. He gives me a fulfillment and a joy that no one else in this world can bring. For the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith. Against such there is no law. My friends, I'm satisfied that He's enough. That God is what He said. I am whatever you need. I want to say this to you. We read this in Hebrews 10 and chapter 14, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 14, that the Bible revealed there, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. By one sacrifice we are sanctified or perfected forever. That is God making us into His own image. Forming us into the image of the Holy One. Now that doesn't mean that we're going to buy some kind of a robe and grow a beard and get long hair and and carry a shepherd's staff and wear sandals to somehow bear the image of what we think 
the Lord may have looked like when He lived here. But what that does mean is that as we surrender ourselves to the work of sanctification, whereby we are being perfected, formed more and more day by day into the image of the Holy One, that we will begin to live out the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith, which are all the attributes of the living Lord that He desires to have manifest in our mortal flesh. You see, I'm being sanctified forever. It's already a done deal in the court of heaven. I'm already the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I'm already in Christ, seated at the right hand of the throne on high in the heavenly places, and I am already the recipient of all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus, who is the Beloved One. You see, we're called to be satisfied with that life that is an ongoing work on this side of heaven, day by day, God, by His Spirit, molding us further into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that led Paul to say, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He understood that he hadn't arrived yet and that he wouldn't until he saw Christ. I like that verse in 1 Peter uh, that says there, in, or 1 John chapter 3, uh, Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as he is. I'm looking forward to the fulfillment of that work of sanctification when we see Him face to face. And it brings to mind that I can be satisfied with what God is doing because what He said He will do, He will bring to completion. The Bible tells us in Psalm chapter 17 and verse number 15, as for me, I, I like that because, you know, the psalmist is personalizing this. David is saying, look, I'm not speaking for anybody else. I, I, I like that about Paul in Philippians 1.21, that verse that we quoted just now. For to me, here David says, as for me. So what Paul was saying is, to me, I don't, I'm not speaking for anybody else, but to me, to live is Christ. What David is saying here is, as for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Let me read that again. It says, as for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. So what does that mean? Well, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8 that blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Not everybody sees Him, you know. 
not even every one of his kids. It's those that are pure in heart, not filled with guile. And that's why David said that, as for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. It was out of a pure heart that he would be able to look into the face of God. He said, I'm going to spend my days and I'm going to, I'm going to delight myself from day to day with a pure heart looking into the face of God, beholding Him. And one day, I'll close my eyes for that last time. And when I awake, I'm going to be satisfied because that work that Jesus began in me. And I'll be delighted, yea, satisfied when I look in the mirror. I shall know even as I am known, and I will be like Him, for I will see Him as He is. I want you to know that the great I am is everything that we need. And when I think about God, I think about the fact that He is Almighty. In the canon of Scripture, there is more than 900 names ascribed to the Lord our God. 900. There are some that we know that appear primarily in the New Testament that are assigned to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is everything to me, perhaps you. For we find that he is our advocate and He is the Lamb of God. He is the resurrection and the life. He's the shepherd and bishop of our souls. He's the righteous judge. He is the Lord of lords. He is the man of sorrows and the head of the church. He's our master, the faithful and true witness. He is the rock. He is our great high priest. He is the door. He is the living water and the bread of life. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the true vine. He is the Messiah. He is our teacher. He is the Holy One of Israel. He is our mediator. He is the beloved. He is the branch. He is the good shepherd. He is the light of the world. He is the living word. He is the chief cornerstone. He is our Savior. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the Almighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He is Shiloh, our peace. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is I Am. He is the King of Kings. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Bridegroom. He is the only begotten Son of God. He is the Wonderful Counselor. He is Emmanuel. He is the Son of Man. He is the day spring on high. He is the Amen of God. He is the King of the Jews. He is the Redeemer. He is the Anchor. He is the bright and morning star. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And from cover to cover, He's everything that we need as we consider Jehovah God in the Old Testament. He is named as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth thee. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner and His banner over us is love. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord our shepherd. Jehovah Shammah, the God who is present. Jehovah Mole, the God who is our recompense. Jeho Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. 
Jehovah, Macedeshim, the Lord, that forgives. My friends, He is all of that and so much more. He is my God. He is my friend. He is my King. He is the great I am. And one day you and I, whether by the upper taker or by the undertaker, we'll close our eyes and it's my prayer as I trust yours that when you awake, you'll be satisfied with the likeness of Jesus. He's everything, my friend. The great I am is everything that you need. He's here to comfort and care for you. The things of this world will never satisfy. Let us be satisfied with the all-sufficient God who is the great I am. Heavenly Father, we, we're so thankful today for Jesus. And we're thankful for the comfort that He gives and the hope that we have in Him. Thank You, Lord, for the fact that we're not just Your servants, but You've called us Your friends and that we are complete in the One in whom all fullness dwells. Lord, I pray that we would never take that for granted. Help us to rejoice in it and to experience it. Lord, we, we pray that as we leave this place today that we would be a little different for time spent here with You. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Perhaps you're seated here today and you're not even sure that heaven is your home, that your sins are forgiven, but you're concerned about that. And if that's you today, I don't want to embarrass you, but I'd like to pray for you. If you're not certain that if you died right now, you'd spend forever in heaven with the Lord, but you're concerned about it, I wonder if you'd just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me. Is there one like that? Just slip it up and put it right back down. I'll just see where you're seated and pray for you. Maybe there's someone that would say, Pastor, I know that I'm saved. I'm sure I'm going to heaven. But I haven't been living as though Jesus were really everything. I've not been living like God is enough. But I want to. And if that's you today, I don't want to embarrass you, but I'd like to pray for you. I wonder if you just lift your hand and say, I want to live like He really is everything, that He's sufficient, the sufficiency of God. Father, thank you for this time that we could be together. And Lord, I pray that you would continue working in hearts long after the service is over, we pray. In the lovely name of Jesus, amen.